Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. Welcome to the Samhain, or Halloween edition, of the Shaman's Brew. I'm about to take you on a journey beyond the veil that separates our world from the realm of the spirits. So gather in close, and turn down the lights as we part the veil and explore the many mysteries of speaking with the dead. Samhain, Halloween. All Hallows' Eve, Shadowfest. By whatever name, it still remains my favorite festival of the year. Marking the beginning of the Witch's Wheel of the Year, Samhain stirs passions and triggers excitement in both pagans and non-pagans alike. A time when the world of the living and the world of spirit begin to merge at the very outer fringes, opening up doorways and portals with the spirits of the dead and other entities may enter our world for brief moments of time. A time when our loved ones lost may touch our hearts in this world once again. But beware, for it is also a time for entities both good and evil to walk the night amongst us. Yes, it's Samhain time again. The night is coming, the veil is thin. Hear their voices within the winds. Light the fires and chant out loud. Feel them walk within the crowd. The summer is gone, and the winter draws near. The veil will open, 
welcome them without fear. Our loved one's past will soon be among our place. See the veil thinning, and you'll see their face. Embrace the night, and let your magic be known. The truth that is here will soon be shown. Enjoy this time, celebrate the worlds within your rights. The veil is once again thinning. It is again sour night. I would like to thank my very dear friend, the lovely Starfire Price, owner and creator of PaganSpace.net, the biggest and most successful pagan website in the world, for allowing me to use her Samhain poem. Be sure to check out PaganSpace.net and, and be sure to stop by my profile and say hi. It's truly a magical place. Yes, indeed. The veil is in fact thinning. You can feel it in the air like a stirring in the force, an anticipation that something's coming and about to enter our world. Magic is crackling in the air all around us as the excitement builds through the October month. But have you ever wondered exactly what is this thinning veil? Or even better, why does it thin and part at this time of year more so than any other? Perhaps I should try to answer this question by sharing with you some of my own theories on the nature of this veil and the buffering zone that exists between our physical world and the world of spirit. These theories are based upon my own personal experiences as a Toltec shaman and my scientific experiments probing into the elastic-like skin of this buffering zone we call the veil. The various dimensions of reality that have been outlined by most ancient cultures over the last several thousand years have just recently been defined by modern theoretical physicists who are suggesting that there could be at least as many as 11 distinct dimensions of energetic reality. Shamanic cultures refer to these dimensions as the physical plane, the etheric plane, the astral plane, and several other others of ascending vibration. Each one of these distinct dimensional planes exists in the same space without interfering with each other because of the extreme difference in energetic frequency. So while we exist in the same place, our physical senses as well as our scientific equipment cannot detect any of the planes except our own physical plane. Each one of these dimensions or planes is surrounded by a small bubble of energy set at a frequency that is slightly out of phase with both the plane it surrounds as well as the next plane up in energetic frequency. This uh, creates a buffering zone that, that keeps the two planes separate from what I call sympathetic dimensional resonance, which can be thought of as a bleed-over of energetic cause and effect. In reality, this sympathetic dimensional resonance is a key to the use of real magic and transmission of it through dimensions. But that's a topic for another show. This bubble that surrounds each dimensional plane has a very specialized elastic skin that absorbs most of the energy emitted by that plane as well as the plane above it. This elastic-like skin is what I refer to as the veil between the worlds. And it is the primary obstacle for spirits or other entities trying to traverse it to gain entry into our world. If an entity on the other side of the veil were to try to cross through the veil, they would find a great deal of resistance and as they pressed harder or exerted more energy, they would find that the veil gives and stretches much like a rubber balloon. 
the more energy they exert, the more the veil stretches inward to our physical world. And uh, like any elastic surface, it grows thin at the points of pressure. If an entity or some form of energy continued to press into the veil, an energetic sympathetic resonance would occur when the elastic skin grew thin enough to allow the resonance. This critical point of resonance makes it possible for the entity or energy from the other side to cause a manifestation using our own physical world energies to vibrate as the result of sympathetic resonance allowing an observer on our side to witness some form of paranormal manifestation more commonly referred to as a ghost. This phenomenon of sympathetic resonance can be thought of in the same way that a, a vibrating tuning fork will cause another tuning fork to start vibrating just by being near it. Usually, the most we observe is a visual apparition. But if the energy from the entity is sufficient, it can also cause an auditory manifestation or in some rare cases a physical manifestation such as psychokinetic activity including the sensation of being touched or pushed. This level of sympathetic resonance can be very dangerous if the entity is a, of a hostile nature and make no mistake there are more hostile entities of this kind than you ever dreamed in your wildest nightmares. One interesting thing I should note before sharing my experiments with you of speaking to these entities is that regardless of how powerful an entity is, it can never push all the way through the elastic skin of the veil without being trapped within our higher frequencies of the physical world vibrations. A shaman or other magically trained individual sometimes has the ability to summon and hold these type of entities in a limbo condition from which the entity cannot escape without the assistance of a person uh, that trapped him or that of enormous amount of uh, effort from entities on the other side of the veil. While it is only ethical to use this type of technique to entrap an entity or spirit in self-defense. There are those in the past who have done so for personal gain, which will usually come back to haunt you. No pun intended. Legends of entrapment of this nature can be seen in stories like the gin or genies in a bottle. Because of this, I will speak no more on this topic of spiritual entrapment because it is a skill that can be learned and it is not dependent on human morals. So we now know that when the veil is stretched or thins that it creates the conditions for sympathetic resonance to occur. So the question is why does it grow thin during certain times of the year like Samhain or Halloween as well as uh, in certain locations like sacred sites or haunted locations. To be honest, I am still working on that one. And I do have some ideas, but I will save that for another time. One thing to note on this subject is that cosmic radiation seems to have a thickening effect on the elastic skin. And this is why most paranormal phenomenon occur between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. when the cosmic radiation is at its lowest. Now I would like to talk about uh, communication with entities or spirits of the dead through this elastic skin we call the veil. I prefer to call this form of communication transdimensional communication and it really is nothing new. We have been doing it in one form or another since life began. In more recent times, we find communication tools like the Ouija board and pendulums and an assortment of other scrying tools designed to pick up on subtle energy transmissions from other dimensions directly 
or through the subconscious mind of the user. All of these devices are intended to gather or communicate information with what is commonly referred to as a spirit world. Like channeling, these methods also fall short due to the many variables and interpretation errors. Another method that is gaining much attention these days is known as EVPs. EVPs stand for Electronic Voice Phenomenon and is the result of using analog audio tape or digital signals to capture sounds left behind by presumably a ghost. These methods also have shortcomings caused by the poor quality of recordings and again interpretation of the audio signals. So is there any method that is more reliable that produces better results? Well actually there is one that I have been pioneering myself for the last few years that is starting to produce some rather significant results. It is a device that I call the transdimensional transceiver. This device is unlike anything currently being used and is intended to receive and transmit messages through the elastic skin of the veil using sympathetic resonance. It is important to fully understand what this implies. I am speaking of a method to open up communication channels in real time similar to a telephone receiver so that an actual conversation can be established with a person or entity existing in another dimensional space or time. Sounds a bit out there, doesn't it? Well, it did to me too when I first start, started uh, working on this concept of subtle energy manipulation and detection. No one really understands how EVPs work, for example, but we, we know they do. Somehow, energy is being recorded through a microphone and being stored on tape or digital chips. Energy that we do not usually perceive at the time of the recording. When I started designing my device, I took this premise and started building on the concept of subtle energy manipulations and sympathetic resonance. I reasoned that an entity in another dimension must use the energy available to it in their own dimension, that being subtle energy to influence the energies in our dimension or sympathetic resonance. This may explain why EVPs can be recorded but not heard until they are played back. To give you a, a basic understanding of what uh, my transdimensional transceiver is and how it works, I will start by pointing out two very significant factors to keep in mind, especially as you are listening to the audio communications that I'm about to start playing for you. First, when I designed this device, I wanted to make sure that there were no outside interference from sound or radio waves. So I designed the device around two lasers, one for transmitting a signal and the other for receiving the sympathetic resonance signals from the other side. Therefore, this device is not capable of receiving radio signals from any outside source, nor does it have a microphone on the receiving end at all. It does have a microphone that I can use to transmit my own, own voice uh, into the communication laser stream, but that microphone is turned off unless I am trying to transmit my own voice. My transdimensional transceiver operates by sending a receiving pulsed laser beam through a vacuum chamber that contains a very powerful set of magnetic fields which are inverted and collapsed on each other creating a highly compressed magnetic bubble at the center of the reaction tube which the laser passes through and is received on the other side of the reaction tube by a device that can convert the laser modulations into sound. I also have incorporated a very highly charged electric field that surrounds the magnetic bubble. Both the degree of magnetic compression and electric charge can be varied to create different energetic environmental conditions within the reaction tube. At the center of the tube is a small special crystal made of beryllium compound 
more commonly referred to as an emerald. It is within this crystal that all communication takes place. Outside this sealed system is a transmission laser that I use to transmit my own voice into the crystal which passes through the crystal and out of the system to be terminated in a quartz crystal on top of the unit. One more thing to note before we move on is that I have the ability to inject any type of auditory signal that I want into the receiving laser streams. The reason this is done is because I have found through trial and error that entities seem to be able to use a background energy as a carrier wave and so I experiment with several types of sound carrier waves and have so far narrowed it down to just a few that have had the greatest uh, success. One of the most recent experiments which you are about to hear involved the use of flute music which I discovered one evening in a spontaneous experiment where I used a flute composition by uh, Peter Fippen and uh, when I played it through the device I was shocked with what uh, happened next as you will soon hear. Strange thing is that the only flute music that I have had any results with is Peter Fippins and I have not yet determined why that is. I would uh, also like to point out that uh, this device is uh, not only made to communicate with the dead but it is quite capable of reaching into other dimensions and communicating with other entities that may have never been human like elementals or inorganic beings. There also exists the very real possibility that other beings visiting our world may use similar technologies to communicate and could open a whole new field of research. I have received some very strange signals through this device that could fall into this category. Interesting theory, is it not? But uh, is it just a theory or does it actually work? Well, I'll let you be the judge of that uh, while you listen to the following 11 samples I'm about to share with you. Please keep in mind that this device has no microphones connected to the receiving end and there is no possibility of radio frequency interference. I would also like to add that most of the communication samples you are about to hear have not been heard by anyone other than myself. So this is basically a world premiere in that sense. I have not even shared all of these with my wife yet in fear that she might kick me out when she hears what's been going on in my basement lab. So uh, after this show airs I may be looking for a new place to stay. Just kidding, just kidding. I, I think. I'm going to present these in somewhat of a chronological order so you can get an idea of the evolution of the device and I will be saving my very best for the end of the show which is a two-way conversation with an entity on the other side that lasted almost a full minute. I'm going to start off with one of my early experiments where I caught a humming type of voice in a location outside my lab. I will play each sample twice before commenting on them. That was clearly some form of um, humming, is the only way I know to describe it, uh, like someone would be doing while they were working. But uh, there was no one around at the time, and the transmitting microphone was turned off. Uh, it does sound like a familiar tune, to tell you the truth, but uh, I've never captured anything quite like that you know, since that time. Um, 
the uh, the background sound you hear is a what I call a white noise convolution and you will hear that in some of these other samples this next audio sample was a little bit disturbing at the time because we had had a small dog as a pet and it had died a few months previous to capturing this um, the background noise you'll hear is again the white noise convolution uh, the only other thing I can add is that we had no other dogs at this time. So I'll play it for you, and it's kind of self-explanatory. And then we'll move on to the next one. This next sample, uh, this is one of the the early voice communications that I got with what I believe was a Native American spirit. I have no idea what it's saying, and, and the voice is a little low, uh, so you have to listen close. But I will play it a couple times and let you, you know, listen. It's uh, in this uh, sample I was using what I call a, an etheric convolution as a background carrier wave. As you can hear, it sounded like some Native American dialect from the best I could tell, and I, I tried picking up on the words, and I could only find a few, and I, and I don't know, I couldn't match them up to any known dialect. This, uh, Next sample is one of the clearest voices I have ever picked up. And uh, it actually came early in my experiments. So I, I was a bit uh, you know, concerned by what it was trying to tell me. But I will, I will play it for you and uh, let you, you know, come to your own conclusions. Uh, in this... Uh, sample, I am using what I call a subsonic convolution carrier wave. You won't have any trouble understanding what it says. Wherever you are doing... Wherever you are doing... And that was uh, just a little bit unnerving. Uh, I don't know what it was trying to tell me, but it was trying to tell me I guess something I was doing was working, is what I'm assuming. This next one is uh, one of the reasons why I don't let my wife hear all of these, because I would probably be kicked out of the house if she did. It's just a little bit, uh, a little bit unnerving, and uh, it's short, but it's you, you, you'll see why in just a moment. Um, Take a listen to this one. <laughs> so, after hearing that, you can maybe get an idea why... Uh, it gets a little spooky down here all by myself in the basement. Starting with this next one, you're going to see a change in quality, and that's because of my experiments with changing electric and magnetic fields, as well as uh, the type of uh, adjustments I can make on the sound. And uh, you'll see what I mean in, in a minute. Um, I I don't know exactly what this is saying. You know, to me it sounds like it's saying no say or no stay. I'm, I'm not sure. But I'll let you decide. This one uses uh, a white noise convolution is what I call it. Uh, the one previous with the evil laugh that used a tantric root convolution. 
So let's take a listen to this this one that says no say or no stay. It was uh, kind of an eerie voice too. So um, again, it's it does get a little bit uh, spooky down here. I uh, I still am finding myself turning around and, and looking behind me quite often. This next one is a very very rare one because I have very seldom ever heard of anyone's EVP even uh, referring to uh, the divine creator or to a religious uh, entity of or you know anyone of divinity put it that way and uh, and this one definitely does and he won't have any trouble understanding what it says I will play this for you three times because it is short let's take a listen Jesus Christ help. Jesus Christ help. And I don't know exactly what uh, the entity was trying to say, but uh, uh, one thing I, I'm going to make a note of right now for for you is you'll notice that some of these come through just with a word or a few words, and then they cut off. And I believe that's because the the sound carrying waves, the like for example, that one was I call the elemental convolution. It opens up and closes. It creates actual convolutions in the elastic skin of the veil. Now, this is my theory. And it will open and close certain convolutions at just the right time according to the, the modulations and sound frequencies playing through the device. And so sometimes we only have a, a small window, a few seconds, that opens up and allows this type of communication it's one of the areas I'm trying to uh, improve on so that I can keep the windows of communication open for longer than just a few seconds. Okay, this this next one is uh, one where I'm using a, a different type of carrier wave as a background called beta reticulation. And uh, it produced a very clear EVP and I'm continually uh, continuing to work with beta reticulation because of this very EVP or, or sound capture. I'm going to play this one for you a couple times. Work. As you can hear, it sounds like it's uh, telling me to work with this uh, type of sound or this type of setting. And I've continued to work with it, but I have not reproduced this type of, uh, or at least this quality of sound, you know, since this one. These captures are more recent, by the way. You're within the last six months or so. This next one you're going to hear is only a partial, and the reason I'm only playing a partial of it is because after I captured it, it, uh, it has two voices in it, two distinctly different voices, and they're very clear. And the first voice is a female voice that I think I recognize. I am not certain 
and it's it's of a person that has died and crossed over and before I release it to the public I want to make sure that it's it's not who I think it is uh, mainly you know out of respect for the family basically what you're going to hear is a second part of a capture the first part of it the female voice that I, I might recognize uh, ask what is that very clearly almost as clear as I just spoke it and then I got on and that's where this uh, this sample I'm gonna play for you continues uh, I got on and I responded to it and then you'll hear the second voice after that I'll play this for you a couple times as well hello hello my name is Marcus can you hear me? This device will help you communicate with me. Can you speak again? He hears you. Yes, yes I can hear you. What is your name? Can you communicate back with me again please? Hello? Hello? My name is Marcus. Can you hear me? This device will help you communicate with me. Can you speak again? He hears you. Yes, yes I can hear you. What is your name? Can you communicate back with me again, please? It's pretty shocking, isn't it? The, uh, the carrier noise, of course, was Peter Pippin's uh, flute music. And it was from his album, Summerland. Now before I play the grand finale, I'm going to play one more for you that I simply call Strange. Uh, this is possibly one of those communications uh, or a, a eavesdropping of a communication from entities that are visiting our world but not of it. And yes, I'm talking about possibility of aliens, but you know I can't say that for sure. I'll let you take a look and listen, but you know see what you think. But basically, this this uses a white noise convolution, and all of a sudden I just picked up for for quite a while. You'll hear how long this goes of a whole set of weird sounds and noises, almost um, almost like code or or just. Uh, it's just strange, and that's why I call it strange. I'll play this one for you a couple times. It is a little bit longer, but uh, what you are hearing are sounds from the other side of the veil. Where, you know, regardless of where they come from, they are not of this world. I'll play it for you now.
And finally, this next one is probably the most significant that I've ever captured because it is a two-way conversation between me and another entity. Even though it's short, it is a conversation in that it called my name, I answered it, and it answered back. Uh, after you know, it answered the second time, I didn't get anything else, and so the window of convolution in the uh, etheric resonance must have closed. But this is an actual conversation with an entity. I don't know if it was a, a human spirit that died or if it's some other entity on the other side. But uh, I'll play this one for you a couple times. It's almost a minute long. I think... Uh, You'll be very shocked when you, you hear this one. Hello, this is Marcus. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Can you speak again? Do the same thing that you just did. Say my name. Hello again, did you just ask me how things are on my side? Hello? Who is this? What is your name? This is Marcus. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Can you speak again? Do the same thing that you just did. Say my name. Did you just ask me how things are on my side? Hello? Who is this? What is your name? I have many more of these examples, and I'm continuing to improve the device and methods of capture so that one day in the future I might be able to turn a similar device on and dial up a lost loved one. I will be taking it on many field trips in the very near future to many paranormally active locations in an attempt to open up communication channels with entities on the other side. This should prove most interesting and I will be sure to keep uh, all of my listeners updated. Sacred Soils offers rare, sacred treasures from our magical world, along with cutting-edge energy products and tools for empowering your body, mind, and spirit. So join Marcus Leader at Sacred Soils and tell him Nightwatch sent you. That's www.sacredsoils.com. I would like to give all my listeners who are vampire fans a heads-up about a new body of knowledge that I have come across in the form of an online daily journal of a vampire named Satine. The thing to pay close attention to is the information she is revealing seems to be the real deal, and some of it has never been released in print anywhere. I know this because some of the information parallels the yet unreleased core knowledge of my Toltec shamanic lineage. Satine was born in the late 15th century on October 10th, 1481, in London, England. She was one of the few 
they were fortunate enough to have been born into a very wealthy family, making life easier than most others around her, or so it seemed to the outside world. As she grew up, she began to realize that she was much different from most everyone around her. Sometimes, being a vampire is not a choice you have, but instead a life you were already destined to follow. The Vampire's Journal is a daily journal of Satine's life, how she became the way she is, the emotions and thoughts of an eternal being, the bloodlust of centuries past, her walk-in experiences, and the etheric manifestations of shape-shifting. In her own words, I quote her greeting to you. Welcome to the Vampire's Journal. I am Satine. I have created this site to provide you with a rare yet real insight into the life and existence of vampires. Take heed and pay close attention to what you find here, for I am disclosing real knowledge that has never been published anywhere in the world. The information and techniques that you are about to discover in these pages at the Vampire's Journal are the secrets that have existed since the beginning of time. The secrets of immortality and unimaginable power. To all who possess an unquenchable thirst for knowledge and power, and to all who want to live forever, I bid you welcome as I pull back the veil and allow entry into my world, the world of real vampires. Now, um, is Satine a fictional character? Are the secrets she is sharing in her daily journal entries a stuff of fiction? Or is this one of those very rare glimpses of an ancient body of knowledge known only to a select few? Go to the Vampire's Journal and decide for yourself. You can visit the Vampire's Journal by going to thevampiresjournal.com and see for yourself what is creating such a stir in both the world of the living as well as the world of the undead. You can also find a link on my page, www.theshamansbrew.com. I will be doing a series in the near future concerning vampires, and perhaps I can even get Satine to come on the show as a guest, so be sure to stay tuned for that. And that concludes this show. I would like to uh, thank the Midnight Syndicate and Peter Fiffin for allowing me to play their music on this show. I'm going to play this show out with uh, a song from Peter Fiffin from his album Echoes of the Past called Tranquility. This is Marcus Leader, and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew on the Jackalope Radio Network. <laughs>